Hello, everyone out there who loves getting great reading recommendations from the clowns who call themselves the VF Comics Podcast. It is Thanksgiving this week, and personally, I am thankful for everyone who works with me so hard on this podcast. First is my hardworking co-host, who has given me so much more than I can ever pay back. She is an incredible person. I am thankful for Meg. I'm also thankful for this insane comic book shop owner who selflessly gives me hours of his time each week, is constantly supportive, and is just an amazing friend. I'm thankful for you, James. Also, I cannot forget how thankful I am for Tom, a man who has always inspired me to be exactly who I am and lifts me up so I can do that. Let it be known on the other side of the microphone, doing research, dog watching, kid watching, working on social media, helping us feel comfortable, designing things for our sites, are each of our significant others. Misty, Melinda, Caleb, and my sweet Ashley, we're very thankful for you. And finally, I'm thankful for my brother Zach, who has given an aggressive amount of his free time to edit our audio and video. If you've ever had to do it, you know it takes more time than anything else. Thank you all so much for your support. So at this point, you might be wondering, where is everybody else? Well, with it being Thanksgiving, some of us are strapped to family or other obligations. So since everyone took some much-needed rest time, I decided I wanted to give all of you a sneak peek at a brand new show coming from me in January 2022, called Back Issues. Back Issues is a scripted podcast that covers the dark history of comics, both the industry and the medium. I'm going to go ahead and just start it and let the opening minutes speak for themselves about what you can expect as the new year approaches. I guess it turns out I'm thankful for all of you, our listeners, too. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Comic books are home to some of the greatest characters of the last century. Heroic figures who risk life and limb to help others. Summed up by Stan Lee in the debut of Spider-Man, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. These superheroes have chosen lives of hardship in place of using their abilities for selfish desires. The pedestal they sit upon is unrivaled in popular culture. While seemingly intended for children, these books have broken the confines of their original intentions and found an audience across the world, inspiring us all to do better, to be better, and maybe have a little hope about things to come. Along the way, they have bloomed to cover every imaginable genre, giving a unique reading experience to anyone brave enough to open up that first page. But, that all almost didn't happen. Just as their popularity was booming, the medium was suddenly faced with immense opposition. In the 1950s, as the sun was setting on the golden age of comics, one man led a crusade that changed the history of sequential art and how their stories are told forever. Comic books have given us some of the longest-lasting characters who inspire and sometimes motivate us to do better. 
Sadly, the industry behind them is not beholden to such ideals. From controversial stories and censorship to double-crossing companies leaving creators in obscurity, the history of sequential art is dark, deep, and complex. In comic books, there is a name for the tomes that we dig through, exploring the full history, good and bad, of the characters we love. These are Back Issues. It is 1947, and the United States is still recovering from the effects of World War II. During the war, the U.S. had a strained alliance with the Soviet Union, a competing world superpower. Almost as soon as one war was over, a new Cold War was beginning. In previous conflicts, Americans felt that enemies were simple to identify, whether it be by race language, or dress. Mistrustful of everyone, President Truman signed Executive Order 9835. This order required federal civil service workers to be tested for loyalty to their nation. An era of paranoia had begun, and even something as simple as a comic book was not immune to the fear that people had. Just a year after Executive Order 9835, in March 1948, an article is published in Collier's titled, A Horror in the Nursery. Just as Senator McCarthy had the answer for corruption in our government, this author believed the answer for the corruption of our children was in their comic books. According to the author, it was not just their opinion on the matter but was fully backed by a senior psychiatrist for the New York Department of Hospitals, Dr. Frederick Wortham. From research, to articles, books, and even congressional inquiries, this man would lead the crusade against the enemy twisting the minds of our children. That's the setting a country so fearful of inception that the president had to mandate loyalty in his federal workers. Now, let's take a look at the man who capitalized on these fears, whether it was for his own glory or for the actual good of children's mental health, I cannot say for sure. All I can say for sure is that in recent years, his work has been reanalyzed and placed into a more informed frame of reference. Dr. Frederick Wortham was born in Germany in the waning days of the 19th century. He would end up studying at multiple English and German universities before graduating from the University of Würzburg in 1921. During his formative years, two significant events occurred. First was that during the years of World War I, Wortham was living in England and was placed in a German internment camp by the British government. This experience informed his perspective on the effects of external stimuli on the mental health of an individual. Following quickly was his second significant experience, his work with renowned psychiatrist 
Dr. Emil Kraepelin in 1922. Dr. Kraepelin was a psychiatrist responsible for many concepts related to mental health that still apply today. To give you an idea of the importance of his clinic, this lab is also where the underlying causes of Alzheimer dementia were studied by Alois Alzheimer. If you were studying the brain, this was the place to be. Dr. Kreplin believed that environmental and social backgrounds should be taken into consideration when assessing the mental well-being of an individual. According to Britannica Online, Kreplin studied the effects of drugs, alcohol, and fatigue on psychological functioning, and in 1881 published a study of the influence of infectious diseases on the onset of mental illness. Wortham would take these ideas further and search for what other things could affect psychological development. And so, by 1922, the foundations for all of Wortham's work were laid. Eventually, Wortham left Europe to work at the Phipps Psychiatric Clinic at John Hopkins Hospital. According to the New York Times, he was later asked to direct a psychiatric clinic that would be, and I quote, the first clinic in the United States in which all convicted felons received a psychiatric examination that was then turned over to the court. Wortham used his experiences working there to inform his book, Dark Legend a psychiatric examination of a fictional Italian man that had been moved to murder. Of note is that Dark Legend is also the first published work by Wortham that tied crime to influences in popular culture, specifically comics, film, and radio stories. This book was eventually read by novelist Richard Wright. Wright had recently been in correspondence with a prisoner named Clinton Brewer, who was imprisoned for murder. Wright believed so strongly that Brewer was not capable of further violence that he actually wrote the governor to help get the man pardoned. Between their letters while Brewer was in prison, and then later their personal time together, Wright and Brewer became close friends. Brewer, sadly, would eventually commit a second murder, shattering Wright's perception of mental health. This is where Dr. Wortham's novel, Dark Legend, came in. After reading it, Wright believed that his friend had much more complicated mental health issues than could be diagnosed. This partnership led to further studies about the origins of criminal behavior and the complexities of how our experiences inform our current mental states. Furthermore, together, Dr. Wortham and Wright believed psychotherapy could alleviate much of the psychic strain that engendered violence with others and oneself. They also believed that a recognition of the social realities of American life, racism, violence, and economic exploitation could provide a weapon in the quest for racial injustice. 
Eventually, the pair would find a home for study in the basement of St. Philip's Episcopal Church. There, they would meet the third of their trio, Reverend Sheldon Hale Bishop. Reverend Bishop had been dissatisfied with the nature of his work, believing there was more than sermons to helping his congregation. According to the text Under the Strain of Color, he was directed by the Department of Hospitals to point his congregation to, quote, Bellevue, or they, claimed that black people only needed life's basics. This opinion was not far from the norm at the time. Schools were still segregated. Despite their admittance into the armed forces during World War II, black Americans were still considered second-class citizens, with many states even utilizing poll tax to keep them from voting. As far as the reference to Bellevue, the general consensus was that, quote, blacks at Bellevue were treated according to the reigning stereotypes of black inferiority and puerility. In addition to this, health services were restricted based on residence area. After meeting Dr. Wortham and Wright, Reverend Bishop was so convinced of the good they could do in the Harlem neighborhood that he opened up their church basement to the pair. And so, utilizing just two rooms and the cooperation and kindness of Reverend Bishop, the Lafarge Clinic opened with a simple goal, to help the people of Harlem. Work at the Lafarge Clinic began quickly, as many African Americans sought mental health services after years of neglect. Despite only being open two days per week, in the 13 years that the clinic operated, the waiting room would be consistently full. While Wortham had trouble initially attracting monetary help and attention, often due to his race, by opening in the basement of a noteworthy black church, he gained the support of the community. All members of the clinic, from the social workers to psychiatrists and even Reverend Bishop, worked together to address the full picture of the difficulties each patient faced. In the eternal debate of nature versus nurture, Wortham and his colleagues focused on how external sources and experiences were affecting their patients, leaning more towards nurture as a cause to mental health problems. Meanwhile, Wortham was beginning to butt heads with the leading figures of psychiatry of the time. He summed up his frustration with them in the quote, All the progressive theories and treatments in the world would mean little if the majority of people never had access to psychotherapy. Essentially, he was attempting to call them out for what he saw as their refusal to use psychotherapy and psychiatry to help everyone. While taking hits from these scientific communities, he was faced with another difficulty. Dr. Wortham's partner, Richard Wright, had decided to move to France. Concerned of the racial prejudices his own children 
would be facing in America. Wortham pushed forward with the clinic, but there is no doubt that this had an effect on Wortham's attitude towards the status quo of the time. First, it had attacked him professionally, and now it had run off one of his greatest allies. During this time, Wortham and the LaFar Clinic were also engaged in a battle against the segregation of schools. Contacted by the Legal Defense and Education Fund of the NAACP, Wortham and his peers began to research the effects of segregation on all students. Their findings, not shocking now, pointed to no matter how equivalent the education of each school, segregation created a perception of inferiority in not only black students, but also black students' inferiority in the minds of white students. These findings allied with studies of Wortham's peers at the time, particularly Drs. Kenneth and Mamie Clark, who had founded another center for youth in Harlem known as the Northside Center for Child Development. Despite this, the Clarks, not Wortham, were backed by Thurgood Marshall to build a team of social psychologists to be experts in challenging separate but equal cases. While Wortham and the Clarks were peers, they seemed to have had unrecorded history that may have created difficulties leading to a gap in their cooperation. The only evidence we really have of this is the fact that the two would meet during the first and only meeting of the Joint Committee on Mental Hygiene Services in Harlem, but would leave the event in some sort of conflict. Having spent his whole life in an attempt to help the less fortunate, his patience must have been wearing thin with the psychiatric community, who seemingly were keeping him away from attaining his goals. With Dr. Wortham's standing deteriorating, he would compile his most striking data and write a text that would place him in the public eye like never before. That's on the next episode of Back Issues. Back Issues was brought to you by me, Marcus Robertson, with research from the New York Times, Slate.com, the book Under the Strain of Color, a study by Gabriel N. Mendez from Cornell Studies in the History of Psychiatry, and The Seduction of the Innocent by Dr. Frederick Wortham. If you want to hear more stories like this, please consider joining the VF Comics podcast community on social media using the links in the description. Furthermore, if you have something to give, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get bonus content from the VF Comics crew, support a growing group in exploring the comic book industry, and find great reading recommendations for every genre. Thank you so much for giving your valuable time to us. You're all the best, and I cannot wait to share even more with all of you.